Welcome to the Cornerstone Corner, our weekly message podcast. At Cornerstone, we are enthusiastic about all ages, having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open the Bible and hear God's Word for us today. All right. In a world full of darkness, a world full of violence, a world full of disease, a world full of division, a world full of hatred, and a world full of darkness, is there something or someone that we can turn to for protection? Like Matt said, like Pastor Matt said, I'm Ryan. I could be the associate pastor here at Cornerstone. And that question has been rattling around in my brain for the past probably a month or so, because I don't teach every week like Pastor Matt does, so I get the chance to really sit and stew with the topic we're going to be talking about. And that question's been messing up my brain a little bit. And long story short, I'll give you the answer up front. There is some, someone we can turn to for protection. And those of you who were here last week, we started a new series called Rohi, Knowing the God Who Cares. And uh, we're kind of diving in over the next few weeks, over the next month or so, we're going to be diving into understanding who God is as Jehovah Rohi, God the shepherd. And uh, so the short answer to that question that I was wrestling with is, yes, God is who we can turn to for protection. We see it time and time again throughout the Bible. In Daniel 6, we see this guy named Daniel get thrown into a lion's den, and uh, God keeps the lion's mouth shut, and he protects him so that he's saved. Or in Daniel 3, we see uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which if my wife and I ever have triplets, that's their names. Um, (laughs) We see the three of them get thrown into a fiery furnace, and yet they walk out unharmed. God protected them. We see even in the life of Jesus, uh, in John 8, we see this woman who was caught in adultery. And in those times, if a woman's caught in adultery, she's to be put to death through by getting stones thrown at her. And just before she's about to get stoned, Jesus steps in and protects her. We see time and time again this God who cares so much about people that he protects them. And I was feeling very good about this message, like like better than I usually am about a few weeks out. I was feeling very good. I was like, man, the same God that shuts the mouths of lions is the same God that protects us today. And I was even going to, I had like a little second, secondary title to it. It's like whatever life throws at you, because, you know, they get thrown into the fire, they get thrown into the lion's den, stones get thrown. Whatever life throws at you, God will protect you. And it was, I was feeling great about it, honestly. But then a couple weeks ago, I went on a mission trip to Honduras. And if you've never been on a mission trip or been out uh, to a, a third world country, uh, it's a jolt of perspective. From the moment that you step foot out there until the, the, the nights that you're sleeping there, the villages that you go and visit, it's a jolt of perspective. And so this new question came rattling around in my brain, messing up the entire message that I had. And before I continue, I will say that that answer is still true. God is the God who protects. The same God who shut the mouths of lions is the same God that cares about each and every one of you. But that's not the message that I feel like God has for us today. And so that maybe that'll be another time and you guys can have a back seat to kind of know where that came from. But The question that came rattling around in my head when I was in Honduras is, is that God who protects, the God that shuts the mouths of lions, the God that stops this woman from being stoned, the God that gets people through fire, the God that calms the seas, the God that does all these miraculous things, is his protection available for everyone? 
Because honestly, whether in Honduras or back here at home, I see bad things happen to good people far too often. I see people going through struggles, going through valleys, fighting fights. And I know that there's people in this room right now that are going through struggles, whether it be financial struggles, whether it be a job struggle, whether it be relationally, whether it be whatever it is, illness, mental illness, whatever it is. There are good people going through hard times. And is that same God that shuts the mouths of lions available for everyone? I feel like I've been in moments in my life where I've been yelling out to God, looking for this God that, that, that calms the seas, looking for God that parts the waters, this God that protects. And I feel like the circumstance doesn't change. And so this question was rattling around and keeping me up at night, waking me up in the middle of the night, waking me up earlier than my son wakes up, which is not good. <laughs> is that same God available, his protection, is it available for everyone? The answer is yes. So over the next few minutes, I'm going to try to help you understand how I got to that answer because it wasn't a right away thing for me. It took time. And so over the next few minutes, my hope is that as you walk out of these doors today, two things will happen. One, I hope that your relationship with God grows wherever you are. Maybe you're still kind of figuring out. You don't even know if you really believe in this God thing. I just hope that you get a little better understanding. And maybe you have a strong relationship with God. I hope it becomes stronger. The second thing I hope that happens is you gain a better understanding of who God is. So much so that you begin to see God as Jehovah Rohi, the shepherd, the shepherd who protects you. That's the title of today's message. God is Rohi, the shepherd who protects me. When I talk about someone protecting or a protector or a protective nature, someone, a person in your life might have came to your mind. For me, when I start thinking about someone who protects, my mind immediately goes to my wonderful, strong, independent mom. And all the moms in the room, you guys are great protectors. My mom is incredible. She's an incredible protector. But when I think of her being a protector, it wasn't her protecting me. It was her growing up, always choosing to protect my annoying little brother from me. <laughs> and I can say that we're best friends. He's actually here. Drew, you want to stand up real quick? He's much bigger now than he used to be. We're best friends. He was the best man at my wedding. Like we, we can talk about it now. But back in the day, I tell you what, he was annoying. He knew how to get under my skin. And it's hard to get under my skin, but he knew how to. But my mom, because I'm a few years older than him, I was quite a bit taller, stronger, better looking than him. So my mom would always protect him. <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. My mom would always protect him. Whether it be we, we, we were a very competitive family, we played lots of sports. Whether it be we were, my brother and I are outside playing basketball and she can see, my mom is watching us play and she can see us from inside that my face is starting to get red and my brother's talking a lot of trash even though I'm probably beating him like 50 to zero. He's still finding a way to talk trash and get under my skin and my mom would see me getting mad, about ready to boil over and she would just take a step outside and give me a look. She didn't have to say a word. She would give me a look and I knew, okay, I'm backing off. I'm good. It's okay. It was to the point, my brother was so, uh, he knew how to get under my skin so much so that when we would have babysitters watch us or our older sisters watch us, my mom would make sure that they would know, hey, just know, Drew really knows how to get under Ryan's skin. So just be aware of that. Don't let anything, like she would, so whenever we'd have babysitters or when our sisters would, would babysit us, they would just have an extra eye on me. But there's one time in particular when I think of protection, I think of a time when my brother and I decided to play tackle football in the basement 
And uh, that's never a good way to start a story because I was about twice the size of Drew um, and he was about twice as cocky as I was. And so our basement was set up and it was a very, it's a, it's a narrow basement. Um, and because I was bigger than Drew and faster than Drew, I would have to play on my knees. So I would be on my knees and I, I couldn't move around as fast as I could, uh, but my, my arms could reach pretty far out. So it was hard to get by him, get by me. Um, but Drew would run and I can still hear his, his little raspy laugh as he'd run by me or score a touchdown or tackle me. And we were playing for about 5, 10, 15 minutes or so, which is a pretty long time for him and I to be competing without uh, someone having to break us up. And I realized as the time went on, I started tackling him a little harder and he would start yelling a little louder and I'd tackle him a little harder, he'd start yelling a little louder. I realized no one was coming downstairs. Maybe my mom couldn't hear us. And he was still talking trash, trying to get under my skin, doing all this stuff, running by. And so one time I decided, okay, I'm going to let him run by me and score a touchdown um, in our basement tackle football. But then I'm going to get up from my knees and I'm going to go after him. And so that's what happens. He runs by and he's like high stepping. He's dancing around, acting like he's doing a little touchdown dance. And I stand up from my knees, go over to him, pick him up, and I throw him across the room. At that point, he weighed about as much as a paperclip, so it wasn't, I wasn't very strong. He was just very small. And I pick him up, and I threw him across the room. Now, before you judge me, I want to let you know that was before I was a pastor. I haven't thrown anyone since I became a pastor, so we're clear there. And secondly, I was a good, mature, older brother. I didn't just throw him across the room to hit the floor or to hit the wall. I threw him into the couch. I was nice. So I threw my brother across the room into the couch that was sitting there. But the problem was is where I threw him, I threw him into the armrest. And the armrest of the couch isn't as padded as the rest of the couch. And he landed his back right against the armrest. And as soon as he hit, he just started screaming out. Uh, and, and I heard the door open to the basement. And I heard my mom stomping down the stairs. And I knew I was in trouble. And I was grounded. And I was, I was in pretty big trouble. But the, the problem was is because my brother saw me get in trouble, he knew I can keep picking on him, annoying. If that's the worst thing that happens to me, he throws me into a couch. Well, I can keep going in. He's the one that's going to get in trouble. And so he just kept getting under my skin. And we can say that now because he's my best friend and he's not as annoying as he used to be. And he was good and all that stuff. But when I think of protection, that's a silly example. In a similar way, God can protect us. And so before I dive into uh, what we're going to be talking about, the main passage, I'm just going to pray really quickly and then we'll be on our way. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, uh, I pray for your protection over whatever is going on in people's lives and people's hearts right now. I pray that whatever baggage people might have brought in today, whether it be work or family or just stress or school or whatever's coming up, whatever baggage they brought in, I pray that, God, I pray that you just help us set that to the side for now so we can solely give our attention to you. God, I pray that these words, they, they are not mine. I pray that these words are completely yours, and I pray that you open our hearts to receive whatever it is that you have for each and every one of us today. God, it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 So, throughout this series, we are going to be focusing in on one particular passage of Scripture. It's in the book of Psalms. If you want, uh, if you have a Bible with you, if you want a Bible, there's some Bibles in the seats in front of you, or uh, you can go online and, and, and that way uh, to get your Bible. We're going to be in the book of Psalms. Psalm 23 is where we're going to be. 
And Matt, Pastor Matt did this last week. Uh, he had everyone kind of read aloud Psalm 23. And so we're going to try that again. And just a forewarning, I'm really bad at reading in a, in a, in a good rhythm and a good speed. And so if you get annoyed with my reading, that's okay. Just you guys can be louder than I, than I will be. But we're going to flip to it. It's going to come on the screen. And we're just going to read this all aloud together uh, on the count of three. Does that, that, that sound good? Yes. All right. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well done. Give yourselves a round of applause. You, I even messed up a little bit, and you guys still kept going forward. Well done. But to talk about how God is the shepherd that protects, we're going to focus on one verse today, and it's verse 4. And it's this, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. And so today's message is going to be three main points. But before we dive into the main points, I just want to recognize one thing in particular. The first two words of that verse, even though, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, even though I walk through, it doesn't say if I'm, if God's with me, it doesn't say I don't have to walk through the dark valleys because God is with me. It says, even though you see following God doesn't get us out of the valleys in life. Doesn't, doesn't get us out of the struggles. Doesn't get us out. It gets us through. Even though I walk through the dark valleys, even though it's not an I don't have to. It's an even though. It's just something I want to recognize because I think so often for us, it's, it's easy for us to believe that when we say yes to Jesus, when we begin following him, that our life is going to be a piece of cake. And that's just not true because we live in a broken world. And I don't want your faith to be built on an easy life. I want your faith to be built on the even though that I get through. So that's just before we dive into the, the points that I just want to recognize that. Point number one, though, is God protects us through his presence, his presence. God protects us through his presence. And that picture on the screen, that's Dikembe Mutombo for all you basketball fans out there. He is known as one of the greatest rim protectors, shot blockers in NBA history. His presence alone in front of a rim would make someone decide not to shoot a basketball and pass it to their teammate. And just like Dikembe Mutombo, just like my mom's glare when she'd step outside, sometimes the presence of God itself can protect us. And we see this actually in a moment in, uh, in David's life. And David is the guy that wrote this psalm, Psalm 23, that we read together. David wrote this psalm. And there's a moment in David's life that's a pretty popular moment. It's used often in sports teams and sports locker rooms and, and whatnot. And it's this moment in David's life when he was just a boy and he was a shepherd. And his older brothers were all out at war fighting a battle, but he was left at home tending to the family's sheep. And there was a moment in David's life where his dad sent him to the battlefield to bring care packages or something out to his brothers. And when he got out there, 
what happened was is he saw this giant Philistine man. And the Philistine army was the army that David's people, the Israelites, were fighting. He saw this giant Philistine man who was mocking the, the army, the Israelite army, the Israelite people, mocking God himself, and yet none of the, all the Israelites were scared to go fight him. And David said, well, I'm not going to, that's not, that's not right. I'm going to go fight this guy. And so this is where we pick up in the story. And uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 is where we'll pick up. It says, but David said to Saul, Saul was the, the king of Israel at that time. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who has rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And what happened after that? David goes out there with just a sling and a stone. And because he's confident that the God that protects is with him, he goes out there and he slays this giant named Goliath and, he's, and he knocks him down. And it's because he's confident in the presence of God that can protect him. And I know that there's giants in all of our lives. Um, I know personally, one of the giant that's just recently is a career change. I came on staff uh, about two months ago. And this was a giant that my wife and I were kind of walking through battling and trying to figure out. And it's the presence of God kind of took this stress that had been weighing us down, this discontentment that had been flooding my heart, this, this kind of unknown. And the presence of God eased that giant, eased that pain. I know that there's giants that are in each and every one of our lives right now, and I just want to let you know that there is a God whose presence can kill those giants. The presence of God, God protects us through his presence. Point number two is similar to that. God protects us through his people. Through his people, and you see the picture on the screen, it's the greatest football team in America that's... Uh, <laughs> No, 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 I'm just kidding. Uh, Rob Wallace actually made an edit to that originally and put the Notre Dame football team up there, which I thought that's not a good representation of God using his people to protect, right? I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Football season's almost here. But those, those guys, that's the offensive line, and their job is to protect the quarterback. And so often God can use his people to protect people. And can I just say before I continue on with this point, that's the calling of the church, not the building the church, not the organization, but the church, the people inside the church, the people that gather together worshiping Jesus' name, the people that are following Jesus, our calling is to protect people. The church is supposed to be a safe place for people far from God to come and learn a little bit more about him, and we're supposed to protect people, protect the widows, protect the orphans, protect people that are going through hard times. That's the calling of the church. There's a lot of bad reputations about the church right now. But could you imagine how much different it would be if we focused on being a church, being people that went and protected people, that loved people? That's just that's a side note. As Matt would say, that's for free. But there's a moment as we continue on in the life of David, the guy that wrote Psalm 23. Just a, a few chapters later, we learn about a certain individual that God uses actually to protect David. And at this point in David's life, 
uh, Saul, who was the king of Israel, was no longer grateful that David had slain this giant that was kind of about to overtake his kingdom. Saul was actually a little jealous because David was getting pretty popular and he was going to be the king and all this stuff. And so Saul was not very happy with David. That's where we pick up in 1 Samuel 19. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. See, he's no longer grateful that David slayed this. He's, he's pretty jealous. It's very jealous, actually. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what, ha what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his, hand, he took his life and... Let me pause. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you go and do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took his oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation, and he brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. See, David, Saul was going to kill David. David was in danger. He needed protection. And God could have, the same way that God's presence protected David from the lion, from the bear, from Goliath, God could have used his presence to protect him from Saul, but instead he chose to use Jonathan. He chose to use his people. And I think that there are people in your lives that God is trying to use you, utilize you to protect them. And in the same way, I'm sure that there are people in your life that God has intentionally put there in your circle of influence, in your workspace, in your neighborhood, in your family, that God has put in your life to protect you. I know there are people in my life, there are mentors in my life that have told me what to do and what not to do, help me, guide me. God protects us through his people. And I think... Uh, Kind of to tell a story from these first two points, God protects us through his presence and God protects us through his people. One moment in particular in my life uh, came up, and there have been many times that I feel like God has protected me, and I haven't necessarily recognized it at the time, but looking back, I can see that was God protecting me. There's one moment in particular, one giant in particular, one valley I was going through when I was about 19 years old. Um, and the issue with this giant was it wasn't a giant on the outside. It wasn't this valley I was walking through on the, on the outside. It was this giant I was fighting on the inside, and I was fighting it for a long, long time. And it had gotten to this point where I didn't know if I wanted to keep fighting anymore. I was fighting this battle of anxiety and depression and fighting this battle of purposeness and kind of wondering why I am even here on this earth. And I had gotten to the point where I didn't even know if I wanted to still be here anymore. And I remember in this moment... It was probably late January, early February. I was about 19 years old, driving down Hickory Road in Granger, heading back to my dorm room. It was in that moment where I realized I wasn't sure if I could keep fighting anymore. I didn't think the fight was worth fighting anymore. And I was battle in my mind, this battle with depression, this battle with I didn't even know why I was here on this earth was overtaking me so much so that I didn't even recognize myself. I felt empty on the inside. And as I was driving down Hickory Road, I just remembered, I don't know if I can keep doing this anymore. It was in that moment 
I was going faster and faster with my car, wondering what I should do next. That God's presence overcame me. And I felt the presence of God in a way I hadn't before. And it was unfamiliar to me. I wasn't sure what it was. But then immediately after I feel this, this presence, immediately in my mind, he put flashes of pictures in my head. And my wife, Sarah, my girlfriend at the time, popped in my head. My brother, my best friend, popped in my head. My mom popped in my head. My sisters popped in my dad, my family, my friends. People just kept popping in my head over and over and over again. And this feeling of purposelessness, this fight I thought I had been fighting for so long on my own, I realized that it was worth fighting for those people. And over the next weeks and over the next months, I just kept wondering and questioning, God, why did you stop me that night? How did you know that people would help me? I continued diving into that, and a few weeks, a few months later, I felt the presence of God again, and I realized that I did have a purpose. and didn't revolve around a career or a job that I had, but it revolved around relationship, relationship with him and relationship with people. And from that moment, two months after, I was wondering if I even wanted to live. That moment, I recommitted my life to Jesus, and I decided I was going to go into ministry full-time and give up all the other dreams that I had. Amen. And it was in that moment that God used his presence, and his people to protect me from myself. And there are battles that people are going through in this room, whether internally or externally. I just want to let you know that God cares about you so much. His presence, his people, they can protect you, even if it's from your own self. So point number one and point number two, God protects us through his presence and God protects us through his people. Man, I'm not an emotional person. I'm sorry. Point number three, God protects us through his promise. And this, this was the checkmate point for me as I was wrestling with, is God's protection available for everyone? This is what just did it over the top. This is when I realized that anyone and everyone was available to feel the protection, to experience the protection of God. And so we're going to pick up, continue with the life of David. This is a little later in his life in the book of 2 Samuel as Nathan, who was a prophet of God, a guy who spoke for God was speaking to David. This is what, this is what God says uh, through Nathan to David. 2 Samuel uh, 7, verse 11. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him. As I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And you might be wondering, Ryan, how is that God protecting David through his promise. And we're going to continue on. Uh, we're going to go right away to, to the book of Luke, to the book of Luke, where we see that this promise that God had given David to this, this kingdom, it's fulfilled. And then that, that promise is actually going to lead to something so much, so much more. In Luke 1, uh, verse 32 and 33, he will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. We're talking about Jesus here. And as we continue to the next chapter in Luke, Luke 2.10, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all people. God's protection, his promise, is not just for David. His protection, his promise through Jesus is for all people. And if we continue on to the, to the book of John, we'll see exactly what that promise of protection is. John 5, 24, it says, Very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus himself talking. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. This promise, this protection, it's it's better than a lifetime warranty. It's an eternal warranty. Anything that happens to you here on this earth through that promise, through that fulfillment of this promise to David, through the life of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus, that promise means that whatever happens to you here on this earth, whatever struggles you go through, whatever hard times you might face, they're nothing in comparison to the kingdom that awaits you when you choose to follow Jesus. It's checkmate. There's nothing that the enemy can do to you here on this earth that can take that away from you. The struggles that you go through, there's a kingdom that awaits through his promise. God protects us through his promise. And there's a story, a girl that I met uh, when I was in Honduras, um, a girl that I met when I was in Honduras, and uh, her name was Rainy. And I think we have a picture of her that's going to come up on the screen. It's Rainy and Gary Beckett. Gary's in, in the room. And this girl uh, was just an incredible story, an incredible moment, an incredible afternoon, a couple hours that we got to experience God's protection. And this girl, uh, what, what we would do is we would travel to these villages, and we would give them food, we would give them clothing, um, but we would also gather around in either a church or a park, and we would put on like a children's ministry type show. We'd sing different worship songs and do little dances and, and whatnot. And this girl, Rainy, uh, was probably about 11 or 12 years old. She had a group of friends, uh, two other girls, that uh, we invited that she came up and started dancing uh, with us as we were leading the, the little kids in worship, and her and her friends were dancing and worshiping. But there was something that, that we noticed about Rainy. Um, she actually, her hand, she couldn't open it. It was kind of stuck like this. She couldn't really move her fingers or her hand. She could move her arm, but she couldn't move her hand. And um, Gary, being the kind-hearted person he, he is, grabbed the translator and kind of asked her, you know, what's going on with your hand? Are you okay? And she told the story of uh, her life. She said when her mom was pregnant with her, her biological dad would, would beat her mom. Uh, to the point when Rainy was born, she was born with a hand that she couldn't use. Um, and she actually, as a result of the beating as well, she was born with ep epilepsy. Uh, and her dad, once seeing her, his daughter that was uh, with a hand like that, he left them. And so her mom was uh, put to raise her and her two older siblings that were about a year apart from her uh, to raise them on, her, on their own. And so uh, there was a moment in... Uh, this service where Gary's said, okay, well, do you mind if we pray for your hand? See if the presence of God will heal you. And so Gary grabbed Pastor Carlos, who was our, our, our uh, pastor down there in Honduras, and he grabbed Stephen Truex, who's actually here too as well. And he had Pastor Carlos and Steve pray for this girl's hand. 
And I, uh, I don't know where you stand on the whole watching someone get healed right in front of you through, through, through prayer. I, I wasn't sure where I stood, honestly. Um, but all I know is that when that girl walked up there for prayer, she couldn't move her hand. And when they were done praying for her, she was moving her hand. She was gripping a football. She was grabbing things. And I realized that the presence of God through prayer was protecting this girl from this affliction that had been plaguing her her whole life. And so what happens is, is this girl then, after we pray for her and we're kind of done, she, she takes off and leaves the church. And we're just like, okay, what's going on here? Um, and then she comes back about 15 minutes later. And Gary, again, being the kind-hearted person that he is, is like, hey, where'd you go? What are you, what are you doing? She said uh, her mom uh, had broken her ankle uh, a couple weeks ago and was on bed rest. And so her two older siblings are both working because they need to make money. And because her hand, she couldn't go to work. And so she was taking care of the house. So she had to run back and check in on her, on her mom. And so uh, we're like, okay, well, do you mind if we carry your, your food and your clothes, bring it to your house, kind of talk to your mom, say hi to her and stuff like that. And so Gary, Linda, and I, and one of our translators, JC, we went to this little girl's house and we met her mom and we prayed for her mom and all this stuff. It was great. It was joyful. And as we were finishing up, her mom was kind of crying. We're like, hey, is everything okay? And she said, well, her epilepsy is getting pretty bad. In fact, a couple weeks ago, she had about four seizures back to back to back. But we can't afford her epilepsy medicine. And so we, I mean, we said we, we would pray for her and we would try to figure something out. And as we walked out the house, I turned to Gary. I'm like, is there anything that we can do? Like, like can we just give them money? Like, what, what do we do? And so Gary went to Pastor Carlos and said, hey, is there anything that we can do? We want to help this family out. Pastor Carlos picks up the phone, dials the number, calls some people, as he gets off the phone, he comes and talks to us, and he says, I have a friend who's a pharmacist, has six months supply of the exact epilepsy medicine that she needs in stock right now. He also has vitamins that are going to actually help her with her brain development because of some of the things that happen that he'll give to her as well. All this for free, six months. In about four months, make sure you give him a call back, and he'll get through the next six months' supply. We're also going to send out a caretaker to come take care of her so this little girl, Rainy, can start going to school again and not just have to take care of her mom. And in that moment, I realized that God was using his people to protect this little girl and this family. Six months of what they needed for free. And then the next six months, God uses his people. But as I was thinking about this story, I realized that there was something that happened to Rainey before any of that happened. That was actually more protection than she, than, than both of those. See, before she got prayed over and got healed, Actually, the moment that Gary realized that her hand wasn't working right was when she raised her hand saying, I want to accept Jesus into my heart. And I realized that whatever happens to this little girl here on this earth, and I hope she has an abundance of joy and fulfillment and life, and I hope she gets educated and it gets to, no matter what happens though, that decision that she made is the greatest protection that she can have because I know that we can see her again in heaven. God protects through his presence, God protects through his people, God protects through his promise. So what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do with this reality that God is the shepherd who protects us? What are we going to do so that we can walk through the darkest valleys like David and fear no evil because God is with us? And this is this reality that I was kind of wrestling with. God, what can we do? What is this practical step, this this next thing that we can do so that we can be like David, so that we can be like Rainy. And I realized when Rainy found a way to get to that church that morning, 
against all odds. She probably wasn't supposed to be, she was supposed to be taking care of her mom. But she believed in something greater. And I think of David, as he went up to this, to this giant, I think of David when he went through these dark valleys, he believed in something greater. So what do we do? We believe. Belief is a powerful, powerful thing. It's actually, it's a supernatural thing. In John 3.16, we learn that it's through belief that we can find eternal life. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a moment in Jesus' life in the book of Luke where this woman who's been sick and bleeding for years and years and years crawls up to Jesus just to touch his cloak. She's healed. Jesus turns to her and says, your faith, your belief healed you. Jesus tells his followers in the book of Matthew 17, tells his followers, he says, with faith, with belief the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. There is power in believing in Jesus. So we're going to sing one more song together. So if you would please stand on with me as we get ready to sing this last song. Well, we pray that you enjoyed the message today. We pray that it was challenging and that the Spirit has stirred something new in you today. Have a blessed week.